Welcome back to this week's Dear Amber. Today we have a great show for you. We have some interesting information about getting Chinese massages. And also we have some help about how to go about renting an apartment in Shanghai or any Chinese city. And also we have a special interview with a Chinese pod listener. She's a special guest who has been learning Chinese. Well, she started way back in the 80s. So sit back and enjoy. We often have people tell us things like, I gave learning Mandarin a shot, but then I realized I really don't have enough time to commit to it. Folks who felt this way love Chinese Pod Recap. In as little as 90 seconds a day, you can refresh what you've learned so far while adding a bit of what's new to your daily learning. An innovative language learning tool to fit the busy, fast-paced lifestyle of today's professionals. This question comes from Douglas. Douglas writes, is there any difference in technique between Chinese and Western massage? Massage is very popular in China. Is it not? Clay, Clay is here today. I wanted to invite a man to come in and answer this question with me. Men like massages in China, don't they? I'm not saying the sordid sort of massages. I mean, Clay, you get massages, right? Um, I have not had one in Shanghai. Oh, but you've had massages before. Yeah, in, in Hainan, they're pretty cheap. Yeah, actually all over China, I think the prices are very good compared to Western. So maybe the first difference between Chinese and Western massage is the price. Maybe we can talk more about price later. But there is legitimate massage here. There's really massage of all sorts, isn't there, Clay? Like, Yeah, I think there's definitely, you can get a, a full range of uh, services here in, Chang- in yeah. Shanghai or in China, actually. Yeah, that's right. So it is important. Like, we do recommend massages in China. They're good. But it is important that you understand what sort of massage you're or getting yourself into. Or what type of place you would like to get a massage. Yeah, so first of all, maybe let's talk about the types mm. of places, Clay. Like, I'm I personally know there's a lot of really nice spas, and I like those kinds of massages. Maybe the price is a bit higher. What other kind? <laughs> what other kind of massage places are there? Um, well, you have basically from what I've gathered, there's kind of two really. You have like foot massage and full body massage. Yeah, and also sort of um, the caliber of massage or maybe category massage. Mm. There is X-rated massage as well, isn't there? Those are out there. Um, Basically, if you see a pink glow emitting from the location, you don't want to really go in there. Okay, so now we'll help our listeners understand. How do you know? Because many of my friends who've come, they've been entrapped. They thought they're going for a nice massage. They walk in, the pink glow seemed kind of warm and fuzzy. But to their dismay or not, they found out it's quite X-rated. Yeah, again, I think good rule of thumb is stay away from the pink light. And generally the hotels um, are going to offer a good massage. And it won't be, I know you've encountered some, some rookies in your day where you just have some... Some people who really are not, they have not been to massage school or any kind of training whatsoever. Yeah, actually that brings me to the next point is that massage in China, I think a big difference between Western and Chinese massage is that it's not, you don't necessarily have to have any kind of qualification. No, and I think in, at least in the States, um, most any massage place, they actually go to massage therapy school and things of that nature. But here, and it's kind of, they're kind of placed in a lower class, actually. They're kind of similar to the Fuyens and the, like the waiters and waitresses. Oh. Um, so they're not really, they haven't gone to school. It's not like a skill or like a recognized and again, profession. I'm, <laughs> Unless I'm sure the prostitute ones, I guess, are a recognized profession. Yeah, <laughs> you could say that. But yeah, so yeah. So what about the technique itself, Clay? Like, I find myself, okay, I'll tell my experience. I mm. find sometimes the Chinese massage is very pokey. Like, they use their fingertips a lot. And mm. um, the other thing is, pain kind of is like, a a good thing like if you're like ow when they're poking you they're like oh and then they'll like like, hit it harder must be working (laughs) yeah how about you how do you find the technique um 
I actually it was funny when I would go to massage places in, in Hainan, I would go get do foot massage, and I really didn't think they felt that great because, like you said, they kind of it almost hurts. Yeah. But I would bring my Chinese book and practice my homework with the <laughs> massage Perfect. lady. So that was my little technique on, and then you know you're paying them like 25 quite an hour. So yeah, but I think Chinese massage is a legitimate like profession in China, like as far as like reflexology, right? Because the guy that does my feet, like when he's doing it, he seems to like know you know which part relates to which part of the body at least. This is a good way to learn body parts. Yeah. Liver, you know, kidney. Yeah. <laughs> every organ under the sun. It's all in your foot, according to them. Actually, that reminds me, talking about the skills. Um, I remember the first massage I had in China. It was I got the luck of getting the 17-year-old boy. And he, he was right from the village. And I remember as I was getting the massage, it was my first time, so I wasn't really sure like how a Chinese massage would be. But as he was going up my leg, I was thinking, this. I don't know if I'm comfortable with this. And I'm thinking, what is this... What is going through this 17 boy, 17 year old boy's mind right now? Yeah, so I think like basically, yeah, like you say, it depends on the caliber of the place, and probably depends on the price you pay. What quality of massage? You'll get. And, and I think uh, the one reason why I haven't really been any place here is I, I, when I was like in, in again in Hainan, I would go with a local. Like, where where can we get an actual massage? And they lead you to the right place. And here, you don't really know where to go. So yeah, it's kind of trial and error. <laughs> Just stay away from the pink light. So what about price? Um, I know I can say for Shanghai, if you go to like a spa, this is going to be good news for everyone at home. And compared to the price at home, it's really good. I think when I went to a spa for an hour, full body massage, it cost about 100 renminbi, which is like $15 US or so, right? Yeah. And I, I spend about 25 30 But again, that was in the south and away from the big city. That's renminbi, is it? Oh, yeah. Renminbi. Yeah. And then recently, actually, I found a place near Chinese Pod that's only about 49 for an hour. It's pretty good. It's not bad. Kind of spa-like I, inside. Something similar to that in the States could run up to close to $100 an Exactly, hour. American. And But you can find, definitely, like if you go to a place that's just bare bones, you can get them for like 20 or 25 for an hour, I think. Foot massage especially is very cheap. So it might not be physiotherapy or anything, but it does feel really good, I think. So basically that's the lowdown, I think, on the difference between massage in China and back home. But actually there's some terms that you will definitely need to know, Clay, right? Like... Yeah, because like you said, they like to go a little, uh, a little harder than we're used to. <laughs> yeah. So the great news is, is that there's a lesson on Chinese pot already called massage therapy. It's an elementary lesson, and it'll teach you how to tell them things like not so hard or even harder Maybe if you, you like. Maybe want it harder. Yeah, yeah, some people might be in for the pain. <laughs> Welcome back to another installment of Chinese Pod Trivia. And the question for you is, for what test does Chinese Pod offer preparation services for? Is it A, the polygraph, B, the colonoscopy, C, the HSK test, or D, the CAT scan? Uh, the CAT scan? Ooh, sorry, that is incorrect. The correct answer is C, the HSK test. That's right, Chinese Pod will thoroughly prepare you to pass this rigorous test of proficiency in Chinese. ChinesePod.com forward slash HSK. This question comes from Jonathan. Jonathan asks, Dear Amber, how does one go about finding an apartment to rent in Shanghai? Now, Jonathan, this is a very big job, finding an apartment in Shanghai or in any Chinese city. But it's not that hard. There's a lot of people to help you. You can even think of it as a cultural experience because the more you look at grotty apartments, the more you can see all different sorts of houses in China, housing in China, how people live. There's nice ones. There's not so nice ones. 
You might even get a little bit scared, but don't worry. Anyways, there's two sort of different categories of renting an apartment. One is if you're an expat sent over by your company. Now, you're probably going to have a lot of people to help you, and、um, you're probably going to have a big budget. So I think it'll be easy for any expat that's、mm, coming to China. So instead, I'm going to address the others of us who are the rest of us, maybe income level like English teachers. Some people call them half pats, people with sort of normal jobs here in China. Anyways, but you can consider yourself lucky. Maybe you won't have a luxury apartment like the expats do, but you will have a chance to live with the locals and see how they live and have local neighbors, which I think is really nice. I think it's worth more than the comfort of being an expat, but then maybe I'm discomforting myself. <laughs> anyway, so what you're going to need is a real estate agent. Now, how do you find one? This is how it works is that on practically every street, in Shanghai at least, there are tiny little real estate offices. Now, how are you going to know them is there's signs posted all over the window in Chinese advertisements、uh, for houses for sale or for rent. But、um, if you find these shop fronts, you'll see there's usually tons of people staring at all these ads. It's not hard to find them. So, what you'll do is find a neighborhood that you like and then visit the real estate man. Now, this is something that you're going to need some Chinese for or bring a friend who can help you. The agent's going to ask for your requirements. Um, the first thing they might ask is your budget. Just tell them the highest that you're willing to pay, and they'll help you find something for that or less. And I think another suggestion I have is that you have to be very clear that you want a place that's newly renovated, clean, Western style bathroom, if in fact that's what you want. But personally, I highly recommend Western style bathrooms. <laughs> and you're going to want to stress different things like how many bedrooms you want, that you want your own kitchen and bathroom, because there are a lot of places that share kitchen, that sort of thing. Believe me, there's all ranges of places here. Now, why I say be specific is that my favorite experience was when I went into a real estate office and told the guy I wanted a one bedroom apartment. He promptly dragged me to the back of his tiny old office under a dark staircase and he cracked open a door and there was like an unmade stinky bed in this, in this、um, little hole in the wall. And he kept yelling at me to go in. And it was kind of freaky because I kind of thought that he was trying to like abduct me as like his foreign slave or something. But when I finally understood, Understood that that was the one bedroom he was trying to rent me, I realized I must have said something wrong. I was like, no, an apartment. Anyways, when I saw that bedroom, I realized, well, being a half pattern English teacher budget isn't that bad after all. <laughs> Anyways, the agent will take you to some suites that they can find in the neighborhood. You might find a hidden gem. It's often quite possible to find something quite good in your budget. The other option is you can find English speaking freelance agents and you can tell them what, what you want and they'll help you look around different neighborhoods and then call you back. Set some up for you to look at. Only thing is that you might be a bit bombarded, and sometimes they'll take you to apartments that aren't really what your requirements were. So it's something to keep in mind, but it does kind of take away the footwork, the legwork of it all. Now, when you find an apartment you like, here's something else you should know is that you're going to have to pay the agent 35% of one month's rent. I don't think it's a bad deal because、um, the agent does do a lot for you. He also will help you to negotiate with the landlord, which is really important. He'll also help you out with the contract, that sort of thing. Most apartments in Shanghai come furnished with furniture. You'll have to buy your own dishes usually, and、um, there's usually air conditioning, fridges, that sort of thing. A lease is generally minimum one year. That's something else to keep in mind as well. The other thing is that if you're going to rent an apartment, you've got to make sure you've got some cash ready because a lot of the landlords want a two month damage deposit, plus, they want you to pay at least one month's rent upfront. 
and sometimes even three months rent up front. So this all can be negotiated and this is why it's good to have the agent as well because he'll help you with that. Another thing that I found different about renting an apartment in China is that you shouldn't start looking until you're ready to move in because it's not like some countries where um, you give a month's notice and then you can move in. Generally, if you see a place that's available now and things move fast, if you don't take it, then it'll probably be gone in a day or two. So once you get all of this arranged, find your little pad, you will officially be a resident of a cool neighborhood and your neighbors are going to love you. You can listen to the Dear Amber uh, on personal questions. They're all going to be asking you all about your how much you pay for rent, how old you are. It's going to be fun. You can make lots of new friends. But I would suggest my suggestion is to move in, get to know your neighbors, the local street food, and you'll be feeling at home in no time. And don't forget to check out on Chinese Pod. Of course, we have a lesson to help you, um, one on apartment hunting and also one on negotiating rent. And this will give you tons of help for the Chinese that you'll need to um, find an apartment. And it'll also give you some good bargaining tips. Hey guys, it's Michael here at Chinese Pod. And we want to say thank you to all of our faithful subscribers. If you're not registered yet, head over to ChinesePod.com now and get 20% off. We got promo Use promo code GET20 at checkout to get 20% off your first year. The next segment of this Dear Amber is kind of special. It's not a question from a listener, but what we have is a special guest today, a special guest all the way from Toronto. This is Madeline Gray. She's a journalist from Toronto and came to visit Chinese Pod today. Hi, Madeline. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on Dear Amber. Now, Madeline is very special and very unique because she has a, a Mandarin learning journey experience that she's going to share with us all. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, Madeline, can you tell us, um, she's been learning Chinese for a long time. How long have you been yes. learning Chinese? Ah, well, I think I started in 1979 and, uh, at Columbia University, actually. The, and then I, uh, I s studied in North America for two years, and then I moved straight to Taiwan and lived there for three years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was about 23 years ago. So yes. can you tell us, now you use Chinese, you've listened to Chinese pod. And yes, I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we're so happy. Yeah. But how has learning Mandarin changed from that time until now? I bet everyone's very curious. Yeah, well, it just feels like a dream come true, all of the technology right now, because when I used to study and I spent hours and hours pouring over the dictionary, and uh, it was when I was in university that I had to upgrade with uh, glasses for the first time, because my eyesight, I guess, from writing the same character over 100 times each. Uh, yes, so, yes. So which university <coughs> did you go to in Taiwan? Um, I went to Shifendashie, uh, Goyu. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's still yeah. there. Yeah, it's I've still been, there. I've been there. Yeah, it's still there. And you went there too, right? Well, I didn't go, but I yeah. rode by on my bicycle. <laughs> but yeah, so now it's funny to think of yeah, electronic dictionaries we have now, like uh, dictionaries online. I can't even imagine looking up characters anymore. Yeah, you're so lucky you didn't have to go through that. Yeah. Yeah, knowing 75 radicals, right? Yeah. yeah. And what about like back then there's no <clears throat> computers, right? Like now we can type characters. Mm, yeah, when I, was, when I was working in Taiwan and studying in Taiwan, Nobody said computers, the word computer, but there was this new thing called word processor. Ooh, wow, word processor. But uh, no, I don't remember, and I, and I work
worked at a Chinese newspaper, an English newspaper, but I know that the, there were no Chinese typewriters, or there were, but you had to have very specialized people running those typewriters. Right. People didn't have them in their home. That's right. How right? could you type on a typewriter no, in Chinese? No, I don't know. And we always never thought, how could you ever use a, a computer to write in Chinese? And I myself have just learned how to do that recently. Wow. Yeah, and so, I was so excited. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. how about like teaching techniques? What was it like back then for learning Mandarin? Were there a lot of students and where were the students from? Oh, well, I remember my first year at Columbia University and they had a rule that everybody had to learn a foreign language. And I walked into this class and there were a hundred students and I looked around and I was the only round eye. Everybody was Chinese, but they were Cantonese learning Mandarin as a second language. Wow. And when they first taught us how to write our first character and, and I remember she put wa, you know, for and I'm slowly, you know, doing each stroke, and everybody around me just whipped it off in oh, a second. No and I thought, oh, I'm no, fair I'm at a disadvantage here. <laughs> so, what made you want to learn Chinese? Way back um, then? I don't know. I just, uh, everybody uh, thought I was absolutely bizarre and crazy. Yeah, because like I now just, it's kind of hip, right? But back then I it guess probably so. wasn't, right? No, no, everybody <laughs> thought I had just lost my uh, marbles, and uh, <laughs> and I just, I, you had to be impassioned. And I remember first year there were 100 students second year there were about 12 oh. and you know by the time you got into third and fourth year there were just a handful of us wow you really persevered yeah, yeah. so what about when you got to Taiwan was there any cultural shock like I know now Taiwan's very westernized but at that time it must not have been yeah you know like I would walk anywhere and get asked like 20 million times will you teach me English will you teach me English oh even back you then know? oh yeah oh yeah every I couldn't walk anywhere without being asked were there a lot of foreigners then in Taiwan uh, in Taiwan, there were not that many, but it's sort of like here now, Shanghai. But the first time I came to Shanghai in 1983, and I came by boat from Hong Kong. Wow. And the, believe me, the bun does not look like it does now. There was no uh, putong on the other side. Absolutely not. And there was, we got off the ship and we were just like, you know, alone. I don't even know, maybe we took a bus, but I think 200 people stood around in a circle staring at us. Really? And we were used to the whole time traveling in China having crowds just all standing, staring at us. So at that time, did you use your Chinese and interact with people much? Oh yeah, had to, because nobody spoke English. Nobody so, spoke wow. English. And so other foreigners used to, travelers used to just sort of piggyback onto us and we couldn't get rid of them because they said, oh, this girl can get around. She can get the tickets. She can change money. Right. She can find out things because in those days, the service was every Everything was mayo, mayo. Everything you asked for, they, they said it no. Didn't it didn't Wow. Yeah. So um, do you have anything that comes to mind? Any special like experiences that you had at that time? I well, mean, I really, yeah, so I'll tell you a little story. When we were there, uh, and we spent a lot of time on the trains, and uh, one, day, one time we spent about three days on a train getting out to Xinjiang. And uh, I remember that, uh, you know, they, they would everybody would always ask us the same questions. Where are you from? How old are you? How much money did it cost? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've covered those all, on you know, all those sort of things. <laughs> and so then we'd be walking through the train, and all of the Chinese around us would be going, there goes the American and the Canadian girl. She's 23, the other <laughs> one is 21. No, they don't have any children, and can you believe it? They're not married, and it costs them, you know, X amount of money to fly here. See, those questions haven't changed in 25 really? years. <laughs> so something so hasn't ones? changed. That's cute. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, it must have been a really unique experience. It was fantastic. So yeah. what about? 
about, um, I'm kind of curious because we know nowadays there's so much business going on with China. So we know we can learn Mandarin for business reasons and that sort yes. of thing. But yes. back then, you know, from the time you learn until now, did you, in the inter- interim, did you use your well, Chinese? Well, you know, I guess uh, I was one of those people who went to university and just was following my dream and I didn't really know how I was going to use it. And then unfortunately, I didn't end up using it all through those years. Um, I got, I fell into journalism and I got my <laughs> training in Taiwan and in, in the English uh, broadcasting and, and newspaper there. But um, when uh, when my first child was born, um, I found a babysitter who was uh, from Shanghai. And uh, she and I, the first year, just spoke Mandarin wow. in our house. And then we decided uh, that I wasn't going to raise my child to uh, speak Chinese, actually. And so we switched to English. Mm. But actually, that same woman is here in Shanghai with me today. No and way. we're traveling together. That's and she's amazing. showing me the Shanghai that she bo- she grew up in. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's well, a great trip. It's great to be here. And I love Chinese pod. Thank you so much yeah. for coming, Malin. It was so nice to hear your experiences. And thank you for sharing them with everybody. You're welcome. That's it for this week's Dear Amber, the insider's guide to everything China. Thanks for listening. And please send all your questions to dearamber at praxislanguage.com or at my profile on the Chinese Pod website. And don't forget to go to the comments section of Dear Amber. Of course, you'll get more info on today's show and hear what everybody else has to say on these subjects. And don't forget to leave your comments. We'll see you next time. Xiaizi jian. 